There it is. Again, welcome to, uh, welcome to RUF. It's good to see all of you. Um, so again, what is RUF? For those of you who are wondering what you've stumbled into, um, we're a Christian group. We're trying to uh, bring community first to our campus. We have a campus that is often a very lonely place to be, um, a person. There it is. And um, so we want to first bring community um, in a place that can be really isolated and lonely. Um, but then we want to ask the question um, about what is Christianity, a very old religion, what does the Bible, a very old book, have to say about being a student, being a human being uh, on a campus in the 21st century? And so we're all sort of on this process together. We're all on this journey together. So we like to say in RUF, um, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Jesus accepts us as we are, but then doesn't leave us there. So we're all in this process together of exploring who Jesus is and uh, becoming more and more like him, seeing more like what he's like. So um, come along for the ride. We hope that you can uh, come back to our community and explore with us. So um, bring who you are into this, and uh, it'll be fun. So um, I know that many of you are tired and stressed that we are definitely at that point in the semester where you're just like, oh, man, I don't know if I can keep going. So uh, I feel like Bilbo in the Fellowship of the Ring captures it so, so, so well when he says, I feel thin stretched like too little butter over too much bread. Uh, that's just, man, that's just such a good image. And um, I know that's a really, feel, really a feeling for a lot of you, just feeling fragile. So if that's where you find yourself, um, I hope that this can be restful for you. And I'd love to talk with you more about it. So if you're just like, I don't know if I can handle tomorrow um, or this week, feel free to tell me that. We can meet. I'm not going to solve your problems, but I can at least listen. Um, so... Um, yeah, I'd love to talk. So, if you're if you've been with us, um, we've been we're gonna we've been studying the book of Philippians. It's a it's a letter that uh, the apostle Paul wrote uh, two thousand years ago to a church in Asia Minor. And as we've been studying this book, we've been asking the question: um, How does this? What does this book have to do with joy? Does this book in the Bible have anything to say about being more joyful? About what we've called life-proof joy, joy that when our lives go up and down, our joy can stay the same. Our joy stays constant. Um, how do we get real joy? And then how do we keep real joy? Like, uh, like what we've talked about. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about this. And uh, one of the things that I think uh, is one of the biggest threats to our joy today, especially on a college campus, especially today, is anxiety. Anxiety is a joy killer, man. It just sucks joy out of our lives. Kind of like if you break a window in the Death Star. just like <laughs> sucks it all out, right? And um, so I feel like... Uh, it's something that we need to talk about, and actually tonight's text talks, I mean, directly about anxiety, directly about anxiety, and so let's, uh, let's pay attention tonight, and if there's one thing that you hear tonight, it's this, I want you to hear that um, as Christians, those of us who consider ourselves Christians, we rejoice because God listens and he's in control. We rejoice because God listens and he's in control, and I want to look at that in three points, three points I want us to see tonight. First, the command to rejoice. Second, the problem in rejoicing. And third, the solution. The command to rejoice, the problem in it, and the solution. So with that, I'll read our text, and we'll dig into it. So this is God's Word, and you can read along on your bulletin. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray real quick. 
Father, thanks for your word. Thanks once again that we can gather together and study it and see what it says to our lives. We pray that your spirit would cut through all of our distractions in our busyness of this week, the urgent things, and, and show us the important things that you would speak even through me uh, and that we would leave here changed people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, we're going to look here tonight about what does Christianity say specifically about anxiety. And uh, the first thing I want you to notice here is the command to rejoice. The command to rejoice. So look with me at verse 4. The very first thing that Paul says when he writes here, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the mood here, in, if you look at the original language, and even it's apparent even in, in the English language, the mood is the imperative. He's saying, you must rejoice. It's a command. Rejoice. Rejoice. It's not optional. It's not something that we can, like, eh, I'm going to rejoice today. It's like when your mom would tell you to take out the trash. It's not optional. You did it. Or when your professor tells you to turn in a paper, you do it, or there are, there are reper- repercussions, right? That's what he says here. When he, it's, not suge- it's, su- it's not advice or a suggestion. This is a command. And look what he says. He says, at all times, always, always rejoice. And then just to drive it get home, he says, I say it again, rejoice. So he's telling us as a people, especially for those of us who would say we're Christians, he says, you've got to be rejoicing. You've got to be a people who are known and marked for your joy. Not just when life is feeling good, not just when circumstances are good, but all the time, at all times, rejoice. Now, we've seen this, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks as we've been studying this, over and over again, Paul is exhorting us to rejoice. He tells us that we're to be a people who are marked by joy. And here's the point. Joy is not optional in the Christian faith. Joy is not optional in the Christian faith. We are supposed to be marked as people who are joyful. Now, this presents a problem, right? This brings us to our second point. I don't know about you, but I don't find myself living in that very often. I, don't find my, I find myself more often than not, certainly not joyful, and most of the time just slubbed down in the trenches of life. Right? And I feel like one of the things um, that, 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 does, that kills me is anxiety. We live in a real world where school and grades and work and internships and family and all the drama that comes with family and relationships, all of these things just bear down on us, right? And it makes this command to rejoice seem really easy to say and really, like, like really hard, almost impossible to do. And, and we find ourselves just beating ourselves up. And all of this stuff of life produce, produces anxiety, right? Tons of anxiety, tons of stress. I can almost guarantee that everyone in this room, five days out of seven, six days out of seven, even seven days out of seven, just feels anxious. Tons and tons of anxiety. And that's the problem, right? Anxiety and stress are without a doubt one of the greatest threats to this joy, to this command to rejoice. But if you look with me at verse verse six, I mean at verse five, Paul almost anticipates that. He says, do not be anxious. The Lord is, he says, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious. It's almost as if he says, rejoice. And we go, um, wait a minute. I, and he says, nope, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And that's the second command he gives. He cuts us off at the pass and doesn't even give us the option, right? 
Don't be anxious about anything, he says. Nothing. He says there's not even one thing that we're allowed to be anxious about. He's not giving us much wiggle room here to, 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 to be around. And so, so we have to pause here and be like, whoa, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we stop being anxious and start rejoicing? And to do that, I want to stop and, and examine, peel back some layers a little bit about anxiety, about worry, and, be what it, and look at what it is and how it robs our joy. And I think the problem, the problem is not that, is not that we're looking for joy in, our, in the world around us. It's the problem is where we look for joy. And I think that we tend to often, on a campus in our world today, we tend to look for joy in, in two places. And I think both of them can be... Can be um, misled. First, I think we tend to look for outward joy. We tend to look for joy in our outer external circumstances, right? Second, I think we tend to look for joy internally. We look within. So let's look at that. First, we tend to look for joy in outward things. This is the stuff around us, right? Our circumstances. If my circumstances are good, then I feel joyful. So this would be that we would be, we would be rejoicing after getting a certain grade or knowing that our GPA is going to be at a certain place, right? Or maybe for some of you, you're rejoicing because you know that, oh man, this guy or this girl likes me and they, they think I'm cool, they think I'm attractive, and we get a lot of joy knowing that somebody likes me. Or maybe um, we, you, we can rejoice because we got an internship at Company X, or when we graduate, we get a, we're, we're like, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling good. I got a job at company, at this certain company. I've been working at it. So our, basically, our joy is connected, it's linked to our external circumstances. And so when our external circumstances, our outward lives are good and pleasant and easy, we're like, yeah, I'm joyful, I'm good, right? But I think that's not the, there's another way that we can try and find joy that can be misplaced. I think we can tend to find joy or look for joy internally, right? internally to rejoice in ourselves and behind this is this idea of like unquestioned self-love we just like we just love ourselves and especially this is a message i think that is especially present and prevalent um, for women in the room that when you're on instagram or when you're looking on that sort of thing you'll see just like just look within you and find your bliss and i'm not i don't mean that mockingly i mean like that stuff's out there that stuff is, is that there's this message that if you just look internally, if you just look within you, you'll find peace and you'll find contentment and you'll find joy in your inner self. Now, I said at the beginning, I think these are misplaced. I don't think that these are places where we can find real, sustainable joy. Now, why do I say that? Well, first, I think on a pragmatic, le- pragmatic level, just practically, they don't work. They're just not working. Why? Well, because none of it, we're all stressed still. We're all running around trying to f- either find joy in our external circumstances or internally, and yet 99 to, to 100% of us are still anxious. <laughs> we're still stressed. And if you were to ask, I think pretty much every student on this campus, they'd say, yeah, stress is a problem for me. Anxiety is a problem for me. But I think beyond that, on, a, on an even deeper level, these two places that we look for joy, I think they're wrong because neither one of them can really give us joy. Neither one of them can really give us joy because both of these, either the outward search for joy in our circumstances or the inward search for joy by looking into our own heart, they're basically looking for something, they're looking for an eternal, like inexhaustible source of joy in something that's temporary and can break and can go away, right? They're looking for 
for something unbreakable in something that is breakable. They're looking for something that's permanent in something that's transitory, right? Outward joy. One more test could ruin you, right? You could lose the job. So you're putting all of your stock into something that could easily in one day just go away. And that produces a ton of anxiety, tons of pressure to make sure you measure up, right? Because it could all go away tomorrow. Now, inward joy, our, our, sense, our sense of self, right? That's never solid. That is never a solid place to look internally. Because uh, you, you could try and, you know, your self-love, your self-evaluation, that's always in flux. It's always developing. It's never done. Think about it this way. Would you listen to middle school yourself? Heck no. Well, then what gives you the thought that you should listen to college yourself? And I guarantee in 10 years, you're going to look back on yourself and be like, what was I thinking in college? No, our inward self is not a reliable place to derive value, to derive a sense of joy, to derive a sense of bliss. We all make mistakes and constantly we're correcting our thinking and and to think about how you would view yourself now is going to be completely different in 10 years. You can't base your self-love or your inward joy on the fact that you are worthy of self-love. You could be wrong. So what I'm trying to say here is that all of these things that we're trying to run around and find joy in, they can't bear the weight of what we're trying to look for. They can't, we're trying to put something that we're trying to ask too much of them. These inward and outward searches of joy, they, they, they don't solve our problems. They don't give us joy. And so we're anxious. We're incredibly, incredibly anxious, right? So what is anxiety? What is this anxiety that we feel? Well, I think anxiety, at the end of the day, it's the realization or at least the fear that we're not in control. It's the fear that we're not in control, that we can work as hard as we can at our grades or at our work or an internship, relationship, family, whatever it is. You can work as hard as you want, but at the end of the day, you really don't have that much control over it, right? Think about your world. Think about the world that you live in. Like, yeah, you have some agency. You have a modicum of control. But in most things in your world, you really have very, very little control. You really are a ship that's just at the mercy of the winds of circumstance and past. You just, you have very, very little control. We have some, it's like the big things, future jobs, marriage. You can take some steps, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, man, I hope this works out. And certainly in the little things, like on your commute, man, you have like 2% control on the roadways given all the other drivers are on the road. We have very, very little control in our lives. And so we stress. And so here we are, a bunch of little stress monsters running around campus trying to scrabble together any little piece of control that we can put together, any little piece of joy that we can scrabble together in our outward self and our inward self and just say like, yeah, maybe this can hold up what I'm looking for in my, in my eternal significance. Maybe if I just piece together one more little part of this puzzle, then I'll find significance and joy and it will, and it will sustain me. And we're all just coping, basically, Right? I know that's me on a, most, on, on a day-to-day level. We're just trying to piece our days together. And I want to pause here and ask, one, is there a solution? And I think there is. I think there is a solution. But I want to pause and say, I think the solution is really only found in the Christian faith. 
I think it's only found in Christianity. And I, and I would, and if you're not, if you're here tonight, and you're like, I don't know if I consider myself a Christian or you don't know. That's great. We're glad you're here. We want you to come back and explore with us. But I would gently challenge you that if you're here and you're just like, I don't think I'm a Christian, that you are basically alone in the universe to create your own joy. You're basically alone in the universe to create your own joy. And that could sound a little harsh, but I think it's important to say, because if you're, if, 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 if you're not a Christian, then you basically are left alone to cobble together the best you can some sort of modicum of joy and significance and value in this world. Then I think the solution to anxiety is basically it's on you. You've got to come up with it, solve your anxiety on your own. And two, you've got to just piece it together in these outward and inward sources of joy. And I, and I think that could sound harsh, but uh, you are someone alone in the cosmos to cause, cause, conjure up joy. Um, and all the pressure is on you to solve this anxiety thing yourself. Um, and I don't know about you, but that would produce anxiety. At least in me it would. Um, so I think that brings us to the solution, which is, I think, found in Christianity. I think it's the solution that the Christian gospel gives us that actually gives us a solution to this anxiety that we all feel. In a lot of ways, I think anxiety can sort of be like a barometer or like a pulse check, if you will, on, on our trust. It can, be a, it can be a pulse check or a, a, a way that we can examine our lives and ask, where is our trust? And that's where, that's where the Christian solution starts to come into play. Because the Christian solution begins to say, friend, where you're looking for joy, it's not delivering. But once you give your trust, once you begin to trust in who God is, that's when joy can start to become possible. You can, when you start to see anxiety in your life, you can start to say, where am I looking for joy that isn't delivering? Where, what am I trusting that can't, be, that can't deliver this joy? And how can I begin to trust who Jesus is and what God is. At the heart of our anxiety problem is a trust problem. Do you believe that? At the heart of our anxiety problem is a trust problem. We are trusting in the wrong things to give us joy. And the solution to this anxiety is found in meditating on and growing in our trust of who God is. Our trust of who God is. Look with me at verse 5. At the, very, at the end of the verse, it says, The Lord is at hand, semicolon, do not be anxious about anything. There is a connection between the Lord's presence, that is, the God of Christianity, His presence, the fact that He is at hand, and do not be anxious. There is a connection between those two things. The solution to anxiety is trusting that God is at hand and that He is in total control. Where you and I have almost no control in our lives, God is at total control and He loves us and He cares for us and He is directing and working in our lives in a way that we could never cobble together. He is directing our lives and so trust is trusting Him in that. Faith. That's a lot of what faith is. Faith is a buzzword that we Christians throw around a lot. And it basically means it's simple trust that God is near, that God loves us, that God is working in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our cobbling together significance, that God is here to protect us and ultimately to deliver us. 
The author of another book of the Bible, the book called Hebrews, it calls God the sure anchor for our soul. The sure anchor for, your soul, for our soul. Can you imagine what going about your life would be like if you had an anchor for your soul that is in the midst of getting thrown around by waves like a ship? You have this anchor point that says, this will not move. This you can trust is rock solid. This will not budge. That's what God is for us. He's this God who is in total control and yet intimately involved and caring and protecting for our life. That's what happens when we begin to trust him. He comes into our lives and he begins to care for us and protect us and guard us. Listen to Habakkuk 3. That's a book in the Bible in the, uh, in the Old Testament. It talks about this in a really visually stimulating way. It says here, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield not, no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, though there be no herds in the stall, yet I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What does that mean? It's saying that worst case scenario, we don't eat. Worst case scenario, we don't eat. Every means of our sustenance stops. Yet I will trust in, and then it uses God's personal name, Yahweh. This is the personal God who moves close to his people. This is the God who creates the universe, who has total control over everything that happens. Every electron that's spinning around, every nucleus in the entire universe, that God, he's personally involved and he is caring for his people who trust him. Though everything fails me, I will rejoice in Yahweh. Jesus, who's God himself, God with flesh on him, he says the same thing in Matthew 6. He says that your heavenly father, that's how he describes God, as a father in heaven. He knows what you and I need. He's in total control and he will provide for us. So here's the secret to the problem. Here's the solution to anxiety. It's that biblical joy is found in trusting and communing with the living God. In trusting his perfect care for us. If the living God is your friend, you have nothing to be anxious about. If the living God is your friend, you have nothing to be anxious about. Do you believe that, friends? To the extent that we begin to believe that and massage that truth into our hearts, that's to the extent that we can start to push back against anxiety that wrecks us. That's the extent to which we can start to get life-proof joy. That's to the extent that we can begin to rejoice always. So how do we express this trust? How do we say, yes, God, I trust you? Well, he tells us, Paul tells us here, he says, do not be anxious about everything in verse 6, but he says, but in everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. What is prayer? What is prayer? Well, prayer is an expression of our trust. Prayer is looking up to God and saying, God, I admit that I am not in control, and yet I trust you. I trust you are in control. When we pray that we admit that we don't have control and we ask the living God who loves us to protect us, to provide for us, and to guard us. 
And here's the challenge. In all of the things that produce anxiety in your life, you and I are called to take those things to God in prayer. If anxiety is is an indication of lacking trust, prayer is an indication of present trust. So um, some of you may have heard of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a great um, church father in the 20th century. Uh, he wrote a ton of great books. If you find a C.S. Lewis, Lewis book, just read it. I don't care what it is. Just read it. It'll blow your world. Anyways, um, he, uh, he was married uh, to a woman, and he had a great marriage with this woman. Her name was Joy. And uh, eventually, um, at one point, she um, became terminally ill with cancer. And uh, so... Um, he, there's a movie that, where he talks about this and um, they're struggling with her illness knowing that she's going to die and eventually she does die. And eventually at a point in the story, a friend comes up to Lewis and mocks him and he's like, see what God did to your prayers? You see what God did? You were praying for healing and what did God do? She died. And his friend is mocking him in that. And uh, Lewis's response is amazing. He says, that is not why I prayed, Harry. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. It doesn't change God, it changes me. That's what prayer does. It's a great mystery. We can explore it more if you want. Uh, You and I can go grab coffee, but prayer is a great mystery. What prayer does is is it says, Father, this is what we need, and then it grows our trust. The act of praying is admitting to ourselves, I don't have control, but God, you do. Thy will be done. And what's the result? What's the result of developing and growing this pattern of prayer? We'll look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Y'all, if that begins to happen in your life, man, there can be real joy. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. If that's happening, man, you and I can be a joyful people. We can be a people who can say, what can the world throw at me? I am known and loved by the God of the universe. Now, this is not this, this process of getting this peace, this is not an overnight thing. It's not an overnight thing. This kind of joy, it will take a lifetime. I'm in that process too. If I'm honest, I was up from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. last night stressing. And I was trying to pray, and I was not entirely successful in it. I was, I'm in this struggle with you guys, where I just feel the weight of the world on top of my shoulders sometimes, and I'm as much in this dogfight for joy and prayer as you are. It takes time. And the best illustration I can think of this is my mentor, Al. Uh, Al is an incredible person. I, I knew Al for 14 years um, when I worked at a, a, a nursery in Colorado. And he started this business in the 80s. And he worked his hands to the bone, especially in the 80s. It was a hard time to start a business um, with the economy. And uh, so he was stressed constantly. I mean, he was working 80, 90 hours a week, physical labor, just working, 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 uh, physical labor and um, he was constantly stressed, he was, and it was hard on his wife. Uh, their marriage, they had to separate for a bit. They, they got back together, but they had to be separated. It was brutal on his family. And um, he was a stressed and anxious person. And even when I met him, I met him in 2004. 
he was still like an anxious person to be around. He would put tons of pressure, especially on himself, but even on us as workers, right? He had high expectations. Um, And it was amazing to watch him over the 14 years that I knew him grow as a man of peace and joy. That watching him wrestle with God as he ran this business to see the Lord soften his heart. This is a man who walked with Jesus every day and he prayed and he wrestled and he fought for this joy. And then in 2015, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, I, I saw him days before he died. Days before he died. And so here's this man who's in horrendous pain, is not as old as we'd like him to be, is on death's doorstep. And y'all, this was, this was the most joyful and at peace man I've ever seen. Here we are trying to rush around, and he's just like, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be with my Lord soon. He was at total peace. He had total joy knowing he was going to die two days later. It was a process. It took years for him to get to that point. He submitted to the process. He submitted to the prayer. He submitted to it to his whole life. And this fight for joy and peace, it's going to take time. You can't expect that one lobbed up prayer one evening is going to fix everything. I don't want to set you up for false expectations. It will be rare that you are anxious one day and then you pray and then everything just automatically feels better. That your circumstances are fixed. Because that would treat God like a vending machine, right? And it wouldn't develop you. You wouldn't develop trust. You wouldn't develop that peace. It would just, and it would treat God like a vending machine. Oh, God, I need this. Cha-ching, there it is. No relationship, no trust. Just That's not development. That's not growth. That's not a relationship. Christian joy, it's a lifelong fight of prayer, but it's worth it. That's why we say in RUF, come as you are with all of your anxiety and stress, but don't stay there. Walk with us. Journey with us as we explore who Jesus is and how he can bring you joy. Now, what does this look like practically? There's tons of flexibility about what prayer can look like. But first, what does Paul tell us? He says, thank God for what you have. Reflect on what you have and thank God for it. And we who live in this part of the world, we have a lot to be thankful for. Second, ask God for what you need. Ask God for what you need. Just last night, I was trying at 4.30 a.m. God, this is where my heart is at. This is where I need you to move. This is where I am trying to learn to trust you. And then third, trust that he will answer. May not be in the way that you expect, but he will answer. Trust that he'll answer I recommend trying to set aside anywhere between 7 to 10 minutes a day. Probably a good time is when you try and read your Bible or explore reading your Bible. Just set aside 7 minutes and develop this process of praying and trusting. God, this is where I am. Help me in the midst of it. And then also try to develop it as a daily habit when things come up. I try to do it as I'm walking around campus. I'm like, Lord, this is where I am in my day. This is what I'm stressed about. This is where I'm, this is where, just, just say like, Lord, here's where I am. Toss it up there. Is everything going to get fixed? Maybe, maybe not, but God's listening. And that process will give you joy. So what does this text tell us tonight? Well, first it shows us that joy is not optional in the Christian life. We are called to be a people of joy But it shows us that there's a problem, anxiety. We all know about that one. We experience it right now. That we tend to look for the wrong 
places for joy both inwardly and outwardly. But then we see the solution that joy is found in trusting the Christian God that his great care for us. And that trust takes form, takes expression in prayer. So this week, when you're stressed, and it will happen, pause for a moment. Direct that anxiety towards God in prayer. Remember that you have a God who cares for you, who is more committed to your joy and peace than you ever will be. Remember that we can and we should rejoice because God is in control, that we can trust him and that we can talk to him. Let's just do that now. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, uh, thanks for this text. Thanks for what it shows us, that we can rejoice because you are in control. We can be a people who can grow and develop in joy because we can talk to you and that you listen as you promise that you hear us. May we, Father, as we explore what that looks like in our lives, in our faith, wherever we are in that, may we grow more and more to be like your son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.